You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Have you recovered yet? Cincinnati Bengals fans. That was a tough one to swallow today as the Cincinnati Bengals lose to the Indianapolis Colts. A game they very well could, should, would have won, but they lost 31-27. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Uh, first of all, I got I to gotta apologize for coming on a little later than usual today. Had some personal things kind of pop up, so... Um, you know, taking care of a lot of different personal things. So unfortunately, I couldn't get on as early as I would like or as when, when I usually do. But regardless, it looks like we still have a lot of people joining us live. Hopefully more start to trickle in. I know we're a ways out from the end of the game, but um, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it like we usually do. And thanks for hanging with me, even though I'm a little bit later than usual. Again, Anthony Cazenza, Cincy Jungle, and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. That was a tough one today, guys. That was a very, very tough one to swallow. A game where the Bengals had a 21-0 lead into the second quarter and um, let it let it evaporate. They were up. They basically had a 21-0 lead, and then it just got totally out of control for a variety of different factors. We're going to go to the tail of the tape in just a second, talking about stats, individual and team, which says a lot about what occurred today. But we can we can point to this play. We can point to a missed field goal yet again. We can point to this and that. And a, 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 there are a number of different plays that this team still fails to capitalize upon in order to get a win. The Bengals now in their last 17 road games, I guess if you want to make it a true football season, 16 road games, they're 0-15 and 1. That is not how you create a winning football team, a winning culture. You have to win on the road. You have to beat Hall of Fame quarterbacks every once in a while if you are ever going to be considered a contender and not a pretender. I get it. It's Joe Burrow's rookie year. He's still learning. He made he threw an interception today that that was that was rookie cringe material. But Joe Burrow made a heck of a lot of other great throws today and Joe Burrow made a lot of other great plays to keep his team in the game. And 27 points, even though the interception at the end of the game, 27 points, that gets you quite a few wins in the NFL, particularly when you score that many on the road. Against a defense, by the way, the Indianapolis Colts defense, though they were without Darius Leonard today, it was an Indianapolis Colts defense that was one of the best in the league. 
And they proved it by stopping the run once again and making the Bengals become one-dimensional. So you can point to the Joe Burrow interception on the final drive. You can point to the Randy Bullock missed field goal at the critical point. His two misses, I mean, it's never a good time to miss a field goal, but it's not like a first quarter or, you know, maybe the Bengals were up at that point 14 to nothing and he he misses a field goal and you don't really look back at that and go, oh, wow, this was something in crunch time. The Bengals needed those points and they did not get them. His only two misses of any kind of kick this year have been complete crunch time, big time kicks, and they did not. He did not deliver. You've got A.J. Green failing to high point a ball down a sideline. And A.J. Green had a pretty good day today. There were a lot of nice catches, and it looks as if they got A.J. more involved. He made a great tiptoe circus catch on on the sideline late in the game that looked like vintage A.J., but there is still a shyness away from contact, a lack of getting contended passes, and the deep ball. And, and this ball down the right sideline today, A.J. Green, just he had it there and he tried to let it just kind of come to him instead of go up and high point the ball as as the, the pass was losing a little bit of momentum. I mean, it was still a nice pass, but good coverage. A.J. Green, high point the ball. You're way bigger than that defender. Come down with that catch. You've got a number of other plays that you could call into question in terms of play calling. And you can point to the egregious call of giving Samaje Pirine a run from the fullback position late in the game on a third and one. And, um, and then, you know, of course you don't get it. And then it leads to the Randy Bullock missed field goal. So there are a lot of different, a lot of different things that you can point out in this game. And like always, it's never just one play. It's a series of plays and this team continues to commit unforced errors. By the way, I don't know if you can see it. I'm, I'm actually at my parents' house over this shoulder. There's a little Anthony right there over my shoulder there. Little little kid Anthony. So you can you can enjoy laughing at that while you're while, <laughs> while you're listening to me there, along with my brother and sister back there. That's like from the 80s. So anyway. Uh, hope you're enjoying <laughs> enjoying seeing that over my shoulder there in case you're you're joining us via video, whether it's our YouTube channel or our Facebook channel. The Bengals defense has kind of been carrying some facets of the team. They were a total letdown today, let up a lot of points, let up a lot of yards, and uh, just had no answers for a lot of what. And I'll show you some of the stats to prove that. No answers. I know there are a lot of injuries up front on the defensive line, but no pass rush. And just a really, really bad showing on that side of the ball for the most part. You have the missed field goal. You have the interception by Burrow, a lack of a running game. There were, there were failures. There were successes in all, in all three phases, but there were also failures in all three phases of this game. And... This I feel like I say this every single week, at least when it's a loss. When one unit of the football team ends up doing something positive, it often follows with a major negative from another unit that's supposed to be supporting or building upon that potential momentum booster made by another unit. I know that's kind of a convoluted statement, but I think you understand what I mean. For a lot of times this, this year – the Bengals defense would garner an interception and the Bengals would squander that. Well, fortunately, the Bengals got an early fumble, a gift 
at the, on the very beginning of the game, and they marched down and got a got a touchdown. They they ended up scoring points like they needed to score off of turnovers. That they ended up you know making some plays, getting a big lead, and instead of the defense being able to pin back its ears and defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo being able to formulate a plan to get pressure on a very immobile, very immobile Philip Rivers, he failed. He failed to do that. He failed to do that. So th- there were a lot of coaching head scratchers in this one. And when your team blows a 21-point lead on the road, um, you have to question some of the some of the decisions from the guys on the sideline wearing the headsets, not so much the guys wearing the helmets on the field. Although there were errors by a lot of people wearing those helmets on the field, um, you know, there were some very, very questionable coaching decisions in – this game, there was, there was, you know, on defense, you look at certain points in the game when the Bengals had a lead, they were kind of playing some zone pass defense and uh, you know, they weren't being able to generate any pressure. So all Phillip rivers would do would sit in a nice pocket, find a player that would find a hole in the zone and get chunk yardage. And at some point you got to make an adjustment there. If you're Lou Anarumo blitz a little bit, uh, you know, mix, mix up your looks mix up your looks on what you're doing and, and not get torched. If you're Zach Taylor, there is no way at a critical point. This was a game, I think, for Zach Taylor. This was an opportunity for a statement game for his resume, for his football team, really turn around the 2020 season. Not a lot of people figured the Bengals were going to beat the Colts when they shot out to that big lead. I think a lot of people were like, hey, you know, this could be a tide turner for the Bengals season in terms of they could – you know, maybe they wouldn't make the playoffs or anything like that, but you're sitting at, you know, two, two, three, and one at that point, and you're, you're kind of in the mix a little bit, got a nice win against the Colts on the road. You would feel pretty good about that. This was a statement game for Zach Taylor, and instead you blow a 21-point lead, and I don't know, uh, just – inexcusable inexcusable i see this one from robert rourke where where was atkins that was a question i was asked with some people i was watching the game with today i i you know i understand he's on a bit of a a bit of a pitch count but i mean and and there's you're trying to rotate him in keep him fresh towards that latter part of his career but at some point he's got to start making an impact even though he's easing back into the lineup carlos dunlap usually has had some of his biggest games as a pro against the Indianapolis Colts. Didn't really do much today. He got his hand on Rivers, I think, once or twice. But, um, you know, no no real impactful plays there. And it showed. I mean, Rivers threw a bad interception at one point. But for the most part, he was pretty accurate and pretty comfortable. And that was due to a lack of pressure. Yeah, it's because of injuries. But, yeah, it's also because of scheme. And I, I also, you know, there were some points I liked some of the play calling, to be fair. there was a, There was a big, big play to, I believe, Tyler Boyd. I think it was a 20-plus yard reception. And on this play, they had Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. And we've been I've been calling for that for a long time. Put those guys back there. Yeah, if one only blocks, that's fine. But at least you, you, you create a wrinkle in your offense and you keep a defense guessing. And that's exactly what happened on that play. Later in the game, it worked to perfection as well. There was a big completion. They had both the guys in the backfield. Geo this time stayed in to block and picked up a blitz beautifully, beautifully. Chris Spielman on the telecast showed it. And you can't, you know, if, if for all of those plays, you simply cannot in a crunch time situation try and get cute 
and line up a guy who has not carried the football in a regular season game, an NFL regular season game, and I don't know how long in Pirine, and you give him the ball out of the fullback position and try and get him to get a yard. Now, on on the flip side of that, if you're an NFL football team and you're a professional offensive lineman, you're a professional running back, you're expected to get less than a yard for a first down. I mean, it's it's just kind of like you should be able to do that. And unfortunately, that was just not the case here um, in this in this situation, I'm moving a little bit because the sun keeps shifting behind me. I apologize for some of the glare there for those of you tuning in live or on the video. So I'm trying to make it as pleasant on the eyes as possible, especially, like I said, over this shoulder here. You can see my, my wonderful family from the 1980s, the family photo there. It's awesome. It's awesome. My brother's hair. You can't really see it. My brother's hair is killer back there, by the way. Uh, anyway. We're gonna we're gonna go over some statistics here in just a second, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the things that we saw. But you know, it's one of those things where you either say this is another growing moment for this team, this young coaching staff, this still inexperienced coaching staff, and its rookie quarterback. You say this is a growing opportunity, and you continue to exude patience, or you say three eighteen and one is what Zach Taylor has given you on the field. And, oh, they've now extended that road loss streak, 0-16-1 in their last 17 road games. Can't put forth a good product with that. You can't put forth a good product with that. So, um, I, I, again, some, some of these people are saying, you know, head's got to roll. Some people are saying, you know, fire Zach Taylor, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't like calling for people's heads, but – you can't you can't accept what's been happening here. Um, like I said, with, with whatever that means, the three eighteen and one record with Zach Taylor and uh, that road streak. So let's before we get into sharing um, the, I'm going to share my screen with some of the stats of the game again. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We do this post game show on Sundays after every Bengals game. We do a Monday news jump, so we'll be doing that tomorrow as well, where we get you caught up on all the headlines surrounding the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL. We do a midweek deep analysis show. Myself and, and John Sheeran, fellow Cincy Jungle contributor, we do that. And then most every Friday we do listener questions live where we take your, your questions on the air and answer those. So join us for those. And if you're unable to join us live for these, you can get all of our content, whether it's the, the Orange and Black Insider podcast content, Orange is the New Black from Ace Boogie and Zim Hude, or Chalk Talk. All of that is on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page as well as our Orange and Black Insider YouTube page and um, New Stripe City's YouTube page. You can go there for some of their stuff too. So let's take a look at some of the stats, shall we? Another 300-yard game for Joe Burrow, but another goose egg in the passing touchdown column for Joe Burrow. He did, for lack of better words, burrow his way into the end zone for a touchdown earlier in the game. 25 of 39, that, that interception at the bat, at the end of the game there was just had rookie quarterback written all over it, didn't it? Just didn't see the guy streaking over and uh, through the interception as the Bengals were driving for the potential go-ahead score. Joe Mixon, 18 carries, 54 yards. He did have the touchdown, but a three-yard per carry average, guys. Look at, look at all the way down here. You got the one run by Tyler Boyd. That was great. Of course, 25 yards. That's, that's great. Gio Bernard, less than two yards per carry. T. Higgins, two yards on a reverse. 
Joe Burrow kind of running for his life, and you got the one touchdown, less than a yard per carry. And then, of course, the infamous P. Ryan run, one carry, zero yards. Not going to get it done. Big day from T. Higgins, six catches on eight targets, 125 yards. Some of those frustrating drops we've seen in the first few weeks uh, seem to disappear today. So big game for him, his first career 100-yard receiving day. A.J. Green, almost 100 yards, eight catches on 11 targets, far more efficient today, 96 yards. Would have had a gigantic day. Has, had he high-pointed that one ball and came down with it, probably for a touchdown, but would have been a gigantic play there. Tyler Boyd, five catches, 54 yards. He did have that run, like I mentioned above. Mixon getting involved in the passing game, 15 yards there. Bernard, same, 13 yards on three catches, and then you know, kind of some missed targets. Mike Thomas was targeted three times a day. That was kind of interesting, especially – this is kind of telling. Uh, John Ross – I. I don't know that I saw him on – I have to get the snap count. I did not see him on very many offensive snaps at all. And he was the guy who was active because Auden Tate had the shoulder issues. So uh, Mike Thomas kind of stepped up for a bigger role. And uh, John Ross not even not even targeted in this one. Uh, Tyler Boyd had the fumble. He actually had an ugly knee injury on the play, but thankfully that – didn't seem to be anything serious. He returned to the game, but and the Bengals recovered that fumble. So no harm, no foul there. Jesse Bates with the one interception. Um, that's the only turnover the Bengals made today. Von Bell was active, but unfortunately, some of the activity that he showed was um, after completions and chasing down guys after netting some yards. He was the leading tackler of the day with nine total. Um, you see kind of what other – what other players did here. Xavier Williams, the new pickup by the Bengals, had the lone sack for the team, but still the Bengals are getting no pressure, no pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and it is showing. Mackenzie Alexander returned to the lineup, two tackles there. And then you go down to special teams, not a banner day for special teams. You had the one missed by Bullock. He did hit a 55-yarder, hit all three extra points. So, I mean, there's a lot of feathers in the cap here, only two misses on the entire year for Randy Bullock, but – and that's saying something based on, I mean, the Jaguars, I think, are on their fifth kicker of the year, uh, including old friend John Brown. So, um, you know, that's something to kind of uh, marvel at, I guess, a bit. But, again, it's two crunch time kicks that Randy Bullock just has not come up when the Bengals needed him. And, again, all all kicks, all missed kicks are magnified, especially in a loss. But when you're missing fourth quarter kicks, it hurts. That hurts. Kevin Huber uh, had one bad punt at the end of the game, but did have a 53-yarder, three punts total. Brandon Wilson not really doing much on the kickoff return front. Neither is Alex Erickson, um, which unfortunate for Wilson because he had such an exciting year last year. He had a couple of returns early this season that seemed to be pretty exciting, but um, you know nothing, nothing really to write home about in recent week, weeks, and not really much of an opportunity. A lot of teams are kicking it kind of way deep in the end zone or out of the end zone for him. Big day from Philip Rivers. Big day from Philip Rivers. And stop me if you've heard this one before. Tight ends absolutely gouged the Cincinnati Bengals today. Three hundred seventy-one passing yards from Philip Rivers. This was a a defense, a Bengals defense that was pro football focuses in their top 10 in terms of their metrics. A lot of it having to do with the pass defense, three passing touchdowns, the one interception by Bates, 12 carries, 60 yards, efficient day, albeit low amount of touches for rookie Jonathan Taylor. 
Burton had the one carry, one yard, but he also had a touchdown. Trey Burton absolutely torched the Bengals today. Four catches, 58 yards, and another touchdown through the air. So he was one of the guys that uh, that nailed him. Jack Doyle had the fumble early in the game, but also had three catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, you know, the Bengals just cannot find answers to guard tight ends. And maybe that has something to do just with the, the rookie linebackers, Von Bell being new to this system and, and all those variables. But this has been something that has been, I've followed this team and covered this team for a very long time. And, and their inability to cover tight ends has just been something that has been maddening, absolutely maddening. So um, that's a, a little bit of the highlights here. And then Marcus Johnson, I think he's a practice squad guy or a guy that's been on and off their roster. Uh, five catches, 108 yards on, on eight targets. Not a guy that I think a lot of fantasy football players uh, <laughs> had ready to trot out there as a starter. Maybe, maybe you're a pretty savvy fantasy football player. Maybe you knew that one was coming, but um, I have to pat myself on the back. I did pick up Trey Burton in one of my leagues for fantasy football this week and had to start him out of desperation and uh, he had quite the game for me. So I guess I'm a little happy about that in a way. You see the one interception by Julian Blackman. That was the biggie. That was the biggie at the end there. Uh, and then not a terrible, terrible day in terms of pass protection. Joe Burrow had time. There, there was some pressure at times. And I think the, the Colts had two total sacks. You see the one up here by Buckner. That was, that was one, I think, I think that was the one Burrow kind of ran into maybe a little bit. Uh, and then you've got a shared one with Tyquan Lewis and Taylor Stallworth. Uh, they kind of shared a sack there. So not a terrible day in terms of Burrow getting beat up and hit a lot, but um, still no running room and uh, inconsistent up front. And I'll show you another stat here. Not a ton of penalties by the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it was six by both teams. If you look down here, at the bottom, six by both teams, yep. And a couple of them just critical, critical. Uh, there was one drive late in the game where they, uh, you know, they needed a play, and it was false start, I believe, on um, – was it Hart or Redmond? I don't know, or maybe it was both of them. And then right after, they give up a sack, and then the, the, the drive stalls out. So third down, you get set, third and manageable. You get a five-yard penalty, false start, and then right after that, it leads to a sack because you're in a very predictable situation at that point on third and long. So those are the types of microcosms within a game that just drive you nuts. They have to just drive you nuts. And the other thing here, look at the time of possession. Bengals hogged the ball almost ten, almost like nine minutes more. Um, even on the interceptions, Um Bengals allowed one more sack. That's not something that's crazy. Um, you know, it shows the rushing yards, 98 to 59. I think that's kind of taken into account Boyd's big run. So that's not truly indicative passing yards, sort of even total yards, relatively even. I mean, this isn't, and again, the score was relatively even too, but um, you know, this was a game though, especially when you see that time of possession, you think the Bengals and having that 21 point lead, it just you it, you just wonder how that evaporated. You just wonder how they let that go. Uh, I mean, I know we know how they let it go, but in game, it, it just I, they had to be looking around at each other at some point, wondering what the heck just happened. Um, third down efficiency. This was a biggie. Look at Indianapolis, sixty three percent 
third down efficiency. Uh, at one point, they started, I think, 0, and 0, 0 for 2 on third down, the Colts did, and then I think they ended up rattling off about eight in a row, seven in a row um, on third downs, and that's what mounted their comeback. So the clutch situations, the clutch downs, the clutch th- – things where you need guys to come up in the clutch, they are just not doing it. Randy Bullock needs to hit – a he hits a 55-yard field goal earlier – and this one's more manageable. I think it was 47 yards and need that fourth quarter, need those points. And by the way, he kicks that. Things play out a similar way if he kicks that field goal. Where Joe Burrow was driving this team towards the end, he gives him a shot again for the win towards the end at 30, 31-30, and the Bengals maybe go line up for another kickoff or another field goal. And instead of him kind of forcing a, a ball that ended up getting intercepted. But again, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. And that's kind of the thing here. And and I, I, used, I mentioned the third down efficiency by Indianapolis, 63%. I mean, that's that's the Bengals' defense not stepping up on the on the clutch downs, especially especially when you have – allowing those, those third downs when you have that big of a lead. Um, that's just mind-boggling to me, mind-boggling. And Philip Rivers took advantage. You got to give him credit. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. A lot of people were kind of calling for, I don't know if they were calling for him to be benched, but a lot of people were calling for at least him to be looking over his shoulder. And he, he quieted a lot of people today. And uh, of course the Bengals like to oblige those types of players. looks like I am very, very dark uh, in the <laughs> because of the sunlight and where that's being shined here, so I'm gonna shift again. I'm in an unfamiliar room. I apologize if that was a little a uh, little hard to see there. <laughs> it looked like the screen was black. That was that was a little weird. Anyway, um, look, there, there's not too much more to say at this point. I mean, the Bengals are now one four and one. They are all all but out of the playoff picture as if they were ever in it. But this was a, this was an opportunity for the Bengals to really make a statement, get things back on track. I mean, AJ, AJ Green had a good game, a nice bounce back game. T Higgins, first 100 yard receiving game, Joe Burrow, another 300 yard passing game. You have a 21 point lead against a team that's considered pretty good in the AFC and they would be in the mix to, you know, make a wild card, maybe even, run with the AFC South if that, you know, depends on what happens with Tennessee, but you know, they let it go through their fingers. And this, you, (laughs) if you look at that one, four and one record, you're like, if you, if you're on the outside looking in, you kind of say, Oh yeah, the Bengals aren't very good. Bengals aren't very good this year, obviously, blah, blah, blah. But if think about what happened, if you really watched each of these games from start to finish, think about week one, Think about, I mean, you could debate week two, but the Bengals kind of were playing catch up through a good chunk of that game. So, not, you know, that's that's a pretty legitimate loss. Think about week three against Philadelphia, a tie. A game they had a seven-point lead at the within two minutes of the game. And then you get the win against Jacksonville. You get housed by, by Baltimore. That's a legitimate loss. And then today, you look at, you look at today and – you know, this this could be a team that has about three wins right now. 
if they if they did the little things correctly, if certain breaks fell their way, and if they just guys came up when their numbers called, if they came up clutch when their number was called, things this record could look a lot different at this point. At this point, I see Rodrigo saying change the chicker, uh, the chicker, change the kicker. Uh, this is interesting. Russ Behrman virtually losing every game by a touchdown or less is a great reflection of poor coaching. That's the other thing. Zach Taylor can't win one score games. You cannot win. He can't win games decided by one possession or less. Um, there's, there's been a couple of, I don't even know if there's a couple, I guess you could point to some, but I mean, for the most part, when the games get tight, the Bengals don't end up winning the football game under Zach Taylor. And there, I mentioned three of them already this year alone, three of them. What was there? Eight last year. You win half of those. You're a much different looking overall. Say there's, say there's 11 or 12. I don't have the stat in front of me. I think it's around that ballpark under Zach Taylor. Say you win half of those. You are a much different looking football team both years. You're a seven win team last year. You're a three or four win team this year, right? Now you can make the argument if you did that last year, you wouldn't have Joe Burrow and okay, fine. But even this year, split them up this year, you know, you'd be a two or three win team right now and you'd be feeling okay about where the Cincinnati Bengals are. And there's a lot of there. I've seen a couple people on Twitter or what have you say, why do you care if they win this year? You know, we got to, we got to restock the roster and yeah, yeah I see. Uh, well, yeah. FFL sports network says I'm glad they didn't win last year. Yeah. It's better off last year, but this year, why do you want them to win this year? Well, aren't you kind of sick? I, aren't you sick of them losing? This has been, this is now five years running since that wild card loss five years. This isn't like, you know, one bad year under Marvin and then, Zach had a rough first year. Now we've got the franchise quarterback and things are moving in a positive direction. This is going on five years, different coaches, different quarterbacks, different defensive players, big free agencies. Yeah. The injuries are there, but they're there for a lot of teams. And I don't understand the mantra of some fans saying, why do you want to win in 2020? Keep continuing. Well, you, t- you kind of tanked last year and you got your franchise quarterback and a pretty good receiver what looks like some decent linebackers, et cetera, in this draft. But this team's got to start showing progress. And progress is not in beating a bad Jets team last year, not in beating a down-and-out Cleveland team that packed it in late last year, and not beating a really poor Jacksonville team this year. This is closing out a game against a quality opponent on the road in Indianapolis. That's a game you should have. This is beating a, yeah, not great Chargers team, but – a game you should have on your home turf. This is closing out a poor opponent in the Eagles. I mean, these are, these are the things that you have to do if you want to take the next step. And even if that results in six wins, seven wins, what have you this year, at least you could say, you know what? The foundation is here. We definitely need some more help on this roster, but the foundational pieces are here. We like what's being built and we are seeing even baby step type of progression in terms of, help in terms of what was being done last year and the shedding of some Marvin Lewis players in favor of Zach Taylor players. And we're not seeing the improvement. We're seeing a lot of the same stuff that we saw last year. 
And I know this is still a young team, rookie quarterback, but uh, some of you are more patient than I am. I'll say that in terms of allowing or conceding the losses this year. I just, I don't, I don't really understand that. I, to me, I've had enough of it since, since that wild card birth. And it's been a slow decline since the Bengals could bounce back here and, uh, you know, make a nice late season run, which they probably will. But because of the softness of the schedule at the, at the back end here, but they are in for, some problems here potentially the next couple of weeks. They've got a tough go of it here. Um, I am going to, before I get on out of here, going to update you on some things around the um, around the AFC North. Uh, pretty much what a lot of people uh, – that is not what I wanted to share. Pretty much what people expected to – happen this week happened. So the Steelers take care of business against the Cleveland Browns handily, 38 to 7, handily. And I think Baker Mayfield came into this contest a little dinged up. He left the contest as well, but that was a game that was hyped up to be, you know, hey, this is going to mean a lot for both teams this week. Ay ay if you're Cleveland you got to feel, feel pretty bad about how that one turned out for you. 38-7. to seven. Not too much of a different feel from the Bengals and Ravens last week. And speaking of the Ravens, they eke by the Eagles. They had a pretty big lead there, but they end up eking by them in Philly, 30-28. to 28. So that's a little bit of what happened in case you did not hear with the AFC North. So Bengals are 1-4-1. and one. Dwelling in the cellar, looking up at Cleveland, looking up at Baltimore, and looking up at Pittsburgh. And, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of people predicted that for the Bengals, but still doesn't feel good. Still doesn't feel good. They play the Browns next week. You know, the Browns are going to be – the Bengals do, that is. They play the Browns at home next week. You know, Cincinnati's going to be pretty angry about – or, uh, excuse me, Cleveland's going to be pretty angry about what happened today. So they may look to take it out on the Bengals yet again. Then you've got the Titans after that in Cincinnati. A couple home games, but two tough ones. And then you have the bye week. And after that, I believe, is the first Pittsburgh game, if I am not mistaken. Yep, that is the one in Pittsburgh. So, right the next few weeks, guys, things could start to not look their best. This is an opportunity for the Bengals to really start making progress and have good showings against some of these quality opponents, but... Things can get pretty ugly these next few weeks. And then, of course, it starts to get softer. You've got, you know, some some games on the back end of the schedule, Washington, the Giants, and, you know, other teams. The Dolphins are up and down. And, you know, the Bengals could string together a couple of wins here. And maybe that's where they try and hang their hat and sell next season is, hey, you know, we had another rough season with injuries and the weird offseason and blah, blah, blah. By the way, those are things every team deal with. And they may try and sell you that they're close, but 
a lot of evidence points to the fact that they are not. Thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for coming on a little late. Hopefully that gave you a little chance to maybe check out some of the other other great shows that are out there that cover the Bengals and or the media, uh, the conference uh, conference call, et cetera, at the end there, the media conference. So maybe you saw some of the post-game stuff there, but uh, before you hopped on with us, apologize, we're a little later than usual, but happy to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in. Bengals lose to the Colts in last-minute fashion, 31-27, fall to 1-4-1. One, and, one. and as we've been saying over the past couple of weeks, more questions and answers at this point for Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. they got to get back to the drawing board, and they've got tough contests. I mentioned it a second ago. They've got tough contests coming up. So they need to start playing much better football if they want to avoid complete embarrassment over the next couple of weeks and really the rest of the season. Thanks for tuning in. Get all of our content on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Google Podcasts, I guess now. Uh, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, we're on all the major audio streamers. Go to our YouTube channel. There is a uh, little icon under my left arm here i think it's right there there's a little orange or black insider icon get that click that to subscribe to our youtube channel and then of course um keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news opinions analysis breaking news and everything else regarding the cincinnati Bengals. thanks everybody enjoy what's left of your weekend we will see you tomorrow for the monday news jump enjoy the rest of your sunday if you can Watch a little football if you want, or maybe take a break, whatever you need to do. But we appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next time.